Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think are underrated, underseen, or sometimes we just plain want to talk about them. I'm your host this week, Josh Hallam, and I'm joined, as ever, by the wonderful Alice Oliver. Alice, how are you doing? Ah, very well. As always, thank you, Josh. How about you? Not bad, not bad. First, uh, first little present of the year for the uh, for the listeners. I mean, every oh, episode's a go. present, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, it is. We're so you know, generous to you we guys. Are very, but I think very... this. I think this is going to be a doozy. You know, it's I'm really doozy. excited about this. Yeah. Is, why are you excited, Alice? Because of the film choice. I'm ah. just like, oh, wait till you hear this, listeners. It's mad. It's right. mad. So if you hadn't already guessed, we're joined by our first guest of 2023. We're joined by the wonderfully funny Jamie Allison. Jamie, how are you doing? Hello. Hi, guys. Uh, oh, that's, I'm, I'm Honestly, straight off the bat, I'm so happy that Alice is excited about the film. <laughs> Might be because she's going to go right in on it. Honestly, yeah, yeah she, you should was, see my list. <laughs> she, was ex- she was excited for Ace Ventura and then she just stabbed me right in the back. <laughs> no, oh, no. I stabbed you down. in the front. I was very clear <laughs> and very open about why I hated Batted that film. Me. There was no sneakiness there. Alice, it's not 21% bad and I'm going to stick to that until <laughs> we can find a way of... Difference uh, of opinion. <laughs> Subjective. Anyway, we start every guest episode with a completely random question just to get things warmed up. I'll come to you first, Alice. This is for, mm. from the guys over at the Reca- Recasted Podcast. Uh, they have said, could you eat a disgusting food? And then it just says in brackets, testicles, bugs, etc. If it was unbelievably delicious. So mm. could you eat like a really disgusting thing? But it was delicious and sort of how far do you reckon you go with that? That's my addition to the question. I mean, I'd eat an- anything. Like, if it's delicious, then a- anything. Like, so if the question you. is, would you eat a gross thing but actually it tastes delicious, then everything's on the menu. I'm going to eat all of that. <laughs> I suppose a lot of stuff is gross if you think about it, innit? It's like... A lot of stuff is gross. Pudding. Meat, dairy, all that shit's disgusting. Yeah. Like. Those, are, those are the two big ones, meat and dairy. Yeah. <laughs> Animal, animal milk. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But would you say so you would then? So if I came to you, if like we're talking like I'm a celebrity kangaroo bollock, you know what? I'd probably struggle with eyes. I think if if like there was eyes on a plate, even if they tasted like chocolate cake, I'd probably be a bit like, Ugh, I don't don't think I could, and the texture would be a bit mad. But like testicles, anus, tongues, <laughs> like if it tasted, <laughs> if it tasted like cake, then yeah, I'm eating all that. Mine does. <laughs> 
What so, about you, Josh? Um, the same? I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes I try not to think about stuff. You know those people who back in the day, before McDonald's sort of cleaned up a little bit, this isn't a plug. <laughs> they don't need it. Not from us. Um, but you know when it was like, you don't know what's in Chicken McNuggets. You're like, I'm not, I don't want <laughs> okay. to think about what's in Chicken McNuggets. Whereas, because it was probably beaks and arse and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. now, apparently, it's it's 100% chicken breast. I don't know. That's what they say. Um, <laughs> Or, or like when people go, you don't know what's in a hot dog. It's like, no, I don't. But like with onions and, and mustard, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I try not to think about it. Because like <laughs> someone once said to me, like I'm not a vegetarian. I try and eat healthily and I try and eat not as much meat and red meat and all that and all that sort of stuff. But someone once said to me like they couldn't get their heads around. They were a vegetarian because they couldn't get their heads around the fact they'd be eating a dead body. Right, okay. And after that, I was like, oh, yeah, actually. And then and for like for a week or so, and then I was like, "Yeah, but steak's good, though, isn't it?" Like I do like. Well, and it's, <laughs> okay. it's the natural order of things, yeah. isn't it? Like it's the food chain. Yeah, I mean, so I'm a vegetarian, but I can un- fully understand why cow, human beings a eat cow meat. would eat me if it could. It, exactly, I know, I know absolutely, it would. everything. Would. It absolutely. Um, would. So no, I I would say to an extent I could eat I could eat anything, but there is a limit. Like, and I think like black pudding is probably about my limit. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't do. I mean, what's the because you used to eat meat, didn't you? I did, yeah. What's the weirdest meat you ever had? I mean, I don't, I don't think anything that weird, to be no, honest. Same. I'm trying to think like I goat once, but that's not even weird, is it? Like I had goat, yeah, I had goat in a curry, and it just kind of tasted like bad lamb. Um, I don't, th- <laughs> I don't think I ever ate anything that weird. You know, I tell you what, I did used to fucking love though, getting a whole lobster, cracking that shit open, fucking sucking out the bit. Oh god, I used to love a lobster so much. Lobster. You know, <gasps> I used to love it. I used to get such satisfaction from you'd get like the the. The, it's like Claws a nutcracker, yeah, yeah. but you'd just like crack it open and just like, oh, just like tearing apart the carcass and sucking out all that juicy meat. <laughs> but now I'm a vegetarian for moral reasons. So, <laughs> but you know, I think about them lobsters sometimes, man. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a better person than me. What about you, Jamie? If you can remember uh, the question after that massive answer. Yeah, it was a weird question because it said, would you eat anything disgusting if it tasted delicious? I mean, I'm. With the you know the crunch on finances this year, it doesn't need to taste that good as long as it's cheap. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm yeah. eating spaghetti hoops off the floor, so I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, we all went to uni, didn't we? Yeah, um, well, exactly, think, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, you know, one of my favourite dishes is my mum's uh, sausage liver and bacon, and I know a lot of people hate liver. So wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not that bo- I'm not that bothered on liver. I've, I have had it. I can take it or leave it. Really, same with steak, like like with kidney. Yeah, one of the worst things I had, I, I used to work on um, a hog stand at festivals. Oh, yeah. They'd, they'd take the head and put it at the at the front, Ooh. and you'd be on this festival in, like, the beating heat for two days while this Ooh. hog head just looked at you as you were kind of taking it apart. And it was it was delicious still. So, <laughs> But to actually have something look at you as you're... Right. <laughs> like, it was dead. I mean, Did... we weren't playing it or anything. But... No, was well, it like living torture for this pig? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was... Um... Do people have the head at the festivals, or is it like, like no? I mean, because that... you can get pig cheek and stuff, can't you? Yeah, we no. The head was kind of more. Uh, it's a weird festival that we use that to promote the stand. Like we put the head kind of to ward off any other hogs, I guess. Is it, th- is it is like a threat <laughs> <laughs> to other animals? The I know pig... they they wouldn't let us play football with it, but I think that was disposed <laughs> of respectfully. Um, yeah, I don't. I, like, I could probably eat anything, but the idea of the thing I'm eating being in the room, like you know, mm. you're saying eyes before, I could probably eat eyes, 
But if it, they were the eyes from something that was then like one like at a it. cow bumping into the wall in front of oh, me. Oh god! I don't <laughs> think I'd be good. That's grim, that man. That's fucking grim. That. So you couldn't give like you couldn't give chicken nuggets to a chicken. I could give them to them probably, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think I could eat them in front of them and be like, "This was." This is your mate. This is your mate. Yeah. This yeah. was your mum. This, this, this is what happens. That's where I draw the line. This is what happens Remember if you step you... to Alan. Don't quit, don't be coming to me. Otherwise. <laughs> well, there we go. So it's a pretty much a yes from everyone. We're all terrible people. That's the RSPCA coming after us on this episode. Good. Let's move on to talking about this week's film, which is Quigley Down Under from 1990. So spoiler warnings if you've not seen it. So Jamie, you picked this one. So tell us a little bit about what it's about and why did you pick it for the podcast, apart from the fact that we asked you to. Uh, so Quigley Down Under is from 1990. It's set in the 1860s and it's got Tom Selleck in full Tom Selleck moustache mode. Um, and he is an American uh, sharpshooter who gets hired to come to Australia to shoot the dingoes um on a australian property but when he gets there alan rickman is there and he says well obviously we couldn't put in the advert but actually i want you to shoot the aboriginal people uh and tom Selleck, uh you know obviously being the a good man he he gets in a fight with alan rickman and then it kind of escalates uh to two men going to war mm. um with uh with, uh kind of a love of a love of guns that i hadn't realized um, when I when I watched this as a child, yeah, it's quite, really it's quite a, it's quite this, a promotion it? for guns, isn't it? Like this real film, gun heavy. It. Yeah, when I was when I was reading up on it, and uh, the gun was the 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 main rifle that Tom Selleck has was donated to the NRA. I was like, oh, maybe maybe should I be? <laughs> should I be? <laughs> but yeah, I wonder how many film plots in the late eighties, early nineties start with, and then he gets into a fight with Alan Rickman. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those knocking about, isn't well, there? When I, when I was a kid, this was this came out right between Die Hard and uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, smack bang so in the middle, got, isn't it, more or less? And you, when you watch this, you can see Alan Rickman kind of working out what he wants to do for the sheriff. Not many people are going to see this, so I'll just I'll, instead of going to rehearsals, I'll just create that character on this film, spend a bit of time in Australia. And then I'll be sorted for my BAFTA when I get over to, to do Robin Hood. <laughs> um, so that's what it's about then. So is it underseen? Is it underrated? Do you just want to talk about it? What, what's the main reason you picked it? It's definitely underseen, I think, mm. because every single person I've ever brought this film up to has said, what is that? Is it part of a series? Is it part of a, a book chain? <laughs> no, it's a single film that sounds like the fourth in a franchise. It mm-hmm. does um, does sound and, a bit like that, doesn't it? It does sound a bit mm-hmm. like. And this one, he goes to Australia. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> when I was a kid, just because of the the naming convention, I was waiting for Quigley in London. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Quigley at sea. <laughs> yeah. The musical. So I'm intrigued, Jamie. How did you come about this film? Who introduced this to you? So this, uh, when I was a child, we had a video store, like. Uh, just Remember up the road them. <laughs> children <laughs> for the kids <laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we we had a um, my mum and dad didn't really care about what films we saw, so we, you know we'd be able to watch like Terminator, Robocop, anything as long as oh, we yeah. said, oh, we know that that's catch up. So they were like, all right, fine, let's 
I hope this doesn't turn out with our children being, you know, insane and maybe moving to London and paying London rent off the back of what we've done to them. <laughs> um, and so we, my parents got this uh, to watch for themselves. And we watched yeah. it like half of it in the morning. Then we raced home because we wanted to see the end before oh, the video wow. had to be taken back because the films had to be taken back at four and we finished school at three. Um, of course. And I remember like specifically as a, as a kid, so I was born in 86. So I was probably about maybe six, I think, when I was watching mm, this. Be about right, um, yeah. And we really wanted to know, did he go back and get the bad man? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got it. Good story, guys. We took the video back before there was any late fees. Yes. That's that was, that was very important. Nice very important. <laughs> but I think the reason why this is stuck in my head so much is because I had that break all day where I was in school. Like, what happens? What's, what's the next thing that happened, you know? Yeah. Does she keep calling him Roy? Do, do, <laughs> Asking the serious questions here. But that's interesting because it gives you all that time to kind of get excited about it and build it up in your mind. So then by the time you do get round to watching it again in the evening, you must have just been like so excited. So were you satisfied then with how it ended? Were you happy to have waited all that school day to watch it? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I know there's, there are some issues with this film, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my, this is one of my favorite. Um, like, not out of nowhere, they've they've nicely led you down the wrong path by going. All he can do is shoot his rifle. That's it. Mm-hmm. He's no good with a handgun. He can only mm-hmm. shoot his rifle. And then the end bit, end bit where he shoots all three of them and mm-hmm. says, "I didn't say I couldn't use it. I said I don't like to." Mm-hmm. That was, as a kid, you're like, "Oh my god, they made me think that he wouldn't do it, but then he did it." <laughs> This was this was my first introduction as a kid to um, set up and payoff. When mm. you know, when she tells the story, obviously it's a light-hearted romp where uh, the the character Cora does explain how she smothered her child. Um, mm-hmm. She does, yeah. But when she explains that story, she does the uh, and then I kept looking to see if my husband would look back, and he didn't. And mm. then we had I had that set up in the start of the day. Went to school, so then when we were watching. The second half, me and my brother were like, he stopped and looked back, he stopped and looked. Yeah. <laughs> she said she kept doing it and then he did it. Yeah. And that was like, that was my mind blown for films when I was a kid. It was like, so they they tell you something at the start and then I think like they think about these things at the end and stuff just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first introduction to to a setup and payoff. Okay, so... That's interesting. That's interesting. That's that's a big thought that as well when you're a kid as well to recognise mm. that. So, Alice, you've clearly mm. got some thoughts on this film, as you've already alluded to. Had you seen it mm-hmm. before? Hadn't seen it, hadn't heard of it. I realised that I haven't seen Tom Selleck in any films whatsoever. I've only seen him as Richard in Friends. Friends yeah. That is the only thing that I've I've ever seen him in. I think they drop his name a couple of times in South Park, but <laughs> I haven't seen him in any film at all. Um... I fucking loved it, you know. Yes! I really, really liked it. I was so... I was surprised at how much I loved it. And it was kind of... I I didn't have any expectations. Like, I had no idea what it was going to be about. But I knew, well, Tom Selleck is in it and Quigley down under. So we know, okay, Tom Selleck is in Australia. So he's probably doing some kind of cool guy stuff. Mm. And he is doing some cool guy stuff. And it just happened to be obviously very cowboy western-y. 
What about you, Josh? You, I reckon you hadn't heard of this. No, hadn't heard of it, no. hadn't seen it. Um, same as you, the only thing I could put together was Down Under. Well, it's, yeah. it's either in Australia or it's a porn, isn't it? Like, it's only going to be one of, like, one or two, one or two <laughs> things. That'd be a first for the podcast, and, yeah, isn't it? I've got a guest coming on, he's actually picked a porn. I'm not really sure what to do about this. So well, there we go. Um, <laughs> I to do Back to Alley 4. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, you can't beat the third one. That's for no. me, not, not in those ones. They should have um, ended it there. Yeah, should have. Big finale. Anyway, uh, Alice, so obviously you loved it then. So what did you like about it then? And then we'll come on to other stuff. Right then. So it's so it's really vibrant, yet rough and dirty at the same time. So it's atmospheric. You can tell it's filmed on location because you see flies buzzing around the actors' heads and there's no hiding from the sun. The scenery is really dramatic at times and this all makes it really engaging. I think it's a really good and interesting mix of adventure, cowboys, action, with a few funny moments and then some really hard-hitting, emotionally taxing moments. And somehow it manages to do all these things with equal impact. And in general, I just really like the story and I like the way the story develops and how this world is constructed and presented to you. So in general, that is what I thought. So I, I mean, I, so I hadn't seen it before, but I, I did really enjoy it as well. I don't think I'm, mm. I'm not as enthusiastic as you, but I've got lots that I liked about it. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, there's two really good performances in this film, which are at either end of the spectrum. So on one hand, you've got Tom Selleck, who's the really cool, reserved cowboy withdrawn mm-hmm. type. Then Alan Rickman, who's just the complete other end, scenery-chewing, sadistic bad guy. And it's like, so I've written here, it's like one's like a cool, sleek martini, and the other one is like four WKDs. Like that, that, that's like that, that, like one's like, get me on the dance floor. The other one's like, no, they'll they'll come to me. I'll be at the bar. Don't worry, don't worry about it. So yeah. So anyway, let's come to you, Jamie. Obviously, you picked the film. So what do you specifically like about it, or is it is it all nostalgia for you, or like when was the last time you watched it? How did it hold up when you last watched it? So I obviously the last time I watched it was six a.m. this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on for WKDs, uh, really. Uh, why this is this is one of those ones that I like to leave a few years. Like you know how a lot of people they they'll some Christmases they won't watch Die Hard. Yeah, don't want it mm. to. So I'll I'll leave this like every three years or something, mm. and then like a World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice, you know, we celebrate afterwards. I scream at the TV. Um, <laughs> but watching it again this morning, I it's it does stuff that I didn't need to do. Like the the character. Of uh, Cora, Laura San Giacomo, mm. like that. When you watch like genre films like this, they just go, and then here's the lady. This is going to mm. be the girl. You're the man. This is the girl. You're woo here. Mm-hmm. But instead, they give her like a not only like a really lush backstory, but an actual mental illness, like an existing mm. mental illness mm-hmm. uh, that they don't hide from. It is played for jokes, but it it's there the whole time. So yeah. it was more that there were they had. I can't believe I'm going to say this about Quigley Down Under, but it had layers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does have layers. It no, does it have does. layers. It's, it's not, yeah. It, I, I completely agree with that because part of it, the first thing I wrote was it feels to me like a proper Sunday afternoon Channel 5 film. You know, you flick it really go, what? what's this? And then you just can't help but watch it. It felt a little bit like that to me, but you're right. She's, she's quite a well-written character. Yeah, okay, the mental illness side of things, like you say, they play it a little bit for last. But on the other hand, she does have a backstory. She does have a story arc, and she actually has some action beats as well, which yeah, is quite... Yeah, shoots all those, yeah. shoots all those uh, dingoes. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Selleck actually listens to it. Like, they, yeah. they have conversations. It's not just moving plot. It's not just moving a romance. 
mm-hmm. when yeah. they talk, it is a full-on discussion. Um, yeah. Did you, when you watched it, because I always, you know, I've known what happens in this film since I was a kid, but when you watched it, did you know where it was going to go? Because it, the tone of it at the start feels, it, it's very, it's like a silly romp, you know, she's mm. doing slapstick, hitting him. He has his little save the cat moment on the boat where mm. uh, he stops the that uh, trapper from going ahead of the elderly couple. So it feels oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is going to be a fun, silly romp. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then it, it feels like it's going to be, oh, this is a fish out of water movie where he's going to go to that, uh, go to Alan Rickman's uh, homestead and it'll be him in great, you know, getting on with the the people there and then it takes a really really dark turn at that mm-hmm. meal where Alan Rickman goes actually I'd really like you to shoot the shoot aboriginals, the aboriginals. Yeah. yeah well that was that and that was the moment for me like when he he literally throws Alan Rickman through the wall of his house or like throws <laughs> him through the window like it's such a violent thing and it's a real like dramatic turn and it's a real bold move as well considering he's just landed in Australia from Wyoming he doesn't know anyone he hasn't got anything except for the clothes on his back and his rifle but yeah and you do you think it is just going to be like this fun sort of not silly but I guess a light-hearted kind of adventure of you know oh this American guy going to Australia and it is that but then there's so much more to it. Like you say, there's layers to it. Like it really explores some like serious dark issues that were going on at the time and it doesn't shy away from those. And just to go back to what you were saying about Cora as well, even though they do play sort of her tragedy for laughs in times, you're never laughing at her. Like it never feels like she's the butt of the joke. It's kind of like she's really self-aware of the fact that there's something wrong with her and she's, it's, it's, it's like she opts in for this kind of delusion where she's calling... Matthew Quigley, Roy all the time, which is the name of her ex-husband, but she knows that he isn't. And you can see the moments of clarity in her where she knows that she's she's either just doing it to annoy him or for a <laughs> laugh or because it makes her feel better, possibly emotionally, just to, you know, remember a time maybe when they were happy together before the tragedy of her sort of accidentally suffocating the child happened. Um, but yeah, that's, sorry, that's... Uh... I just jumped in there. Josh, what would be? No, I think I think I think that's a really good point, which is that it starts and you think, like you say, is it going to be official out of water comedy or is it going to be? It's a sort of adventure film in the old in in the Australian equivalent of the old west, where maybe, like you say, he becomes the sheriff of a town or he does something Mm. with some you know bandits, train robbers, all the stuff we've seen before. Except actually, it's not because it's all really about. Definitely making a point about like colonialism and imperialism mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff. And like you say, you don't really see that coming. And you think, oh, he's, he's gonna shoot the dingoes, and then what will he get up to next? And then it's like, mm-hmm. bam! Oh no, can you can you kill all the like the native native people, please? And it's like, and he literally, like you say, refuses, frozen through frozen through a window or a wall. And that's the inciting incident is that that right? That's the he's made his enemy, and then the rest of the film is actually about the fallout from that, which is one mm-hmm. man trying to kill the other man. Except one man's got loads of people and one guy's on his own sort of thing. So I think I think that's a really good point, which is that there are layers to Quigley Down Under. Um, there was one layer that I found interesting where, um, obviously this is made in 1990, written in the 70s. Mm. So you wonder how heavy-handed are they going to... Is this going to be a white saviour movie when you realise mm. that he's sticking up for um, the Aboriginal people? But the, the scene where they they pass out and then they wake up, they actually... Um, like undermine the you know there's the the theme of like um magical Aboriginal people yeah. you know 
you'd expect them to perform some kind of dance around them if, if you they made movies of this time. Mm. But he actually undercuts it and he says she says they've done something to heal us and he says, Yeah, they gave us water. Yeah, yeah, and, and they save them as well. So I suppose yeah. there's 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 a balance. I, I thought that as well. I thought if this had been handled poorly, it, it could have been a real, like you say, white savior moment. But actually, first of all, they they save them, but but also there's, there's I don't know, there's there's something more to it, isn't there? Like you say, it doesn't show them as you know, like you say, like magical laws or or yeah. something like that it is just that they're the native people and you've got that really good moment at the end with the with the servant alan rickman's servant where he takes all this western if you like or or non-aboriginal clothing off and mm. it's it's very that is very metaphorical it's very it's very very um much a symbol and and i yeah i i quite liked that element of it i think i thought it really worked what about you alice yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it, and I feel like they got the balance really right. And it could have been, it, it could have been a bit of a circus of like, oh, look at these Aboriginal people, like look how different they are from us, and it all being like that. But I I didn't feel like it was like that. Obviously, I don't know. Here I am in Great Britain as a white person. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know if it was like a whether it was accurate or whether it was fair or balanced or whatever, but it came across like that. And it came across as the filmmakers had the best intentions when it came to the representation, instead of it just being, oh, thank God the white people have turned up to save the day. It was like, yeah, but the white people are the reason that these problems started in the first place. And it, show, I mean? and it does show that as well. So it shows white oppression as well. So it sort of shows both parts of the issue, if you like. Mm. Yeah, and you have... Um... They have the the kind of a little mini montage of uh you know the the Aboriginals teaching uh Quigley some stuff and then him teaching some stuff back mm. and it it wasn't heavy handed either way it you know he he's a cowboy so of course yeah he would know how to treat leather and create yeah. you know mm. straps and he's new to Australia so they teach him how to get water out of the ground mm. it's it's not kind of really over the top you know, a montage where in the end he's learned the language after two days yeah. and they're all wearing cowboy hats. Yeah. yeah, it's weirdly, like, believable in its... in Like, obviously it's not fully believable, but you kind of believe it and everything that happens within that world is believable and doesn't feel too far-fetched and feels like it doesn't stray too far away or, or it doesn't present us with too an extreme version of the narrative. I think it gets the balance right. Um I'm also personally quite interested in it, like from a historical point of view. So obviously not to say that it's 100% factually correct, but like the birth and evolution of Australia is as interesting as it is horrific and similar to the early days of North America. But I do like films that are set around this time and I'm interested to see what they have to say. Um, and Quigley is just... He's just like 100% hero, mm. isn't he? Like everything he does, every decision he makes is a heroic decision. And he does all the proper heroic stuff that you would just expect to see. And you're on his side all the way through and it makes it so easy to root for him. He's very, very cool. And you can certainly see that he's the type of guy that like men would want to be and that women would want <laughs> to be with sort of thing, like that classic protagonist. Um, and then just a little bit... The big, big twiddly moustache, but mustache, this time yeah, on yeah. our hero and not on our villain, which is, is very unusual. Did Alan Rickman have a moustache in this? Alan Rickman's got a lovely little goatee. In oh, he's got yeah. a goatee. <laughs> it's a big old facial hair battle, isn't it, really? Mm, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and 
him paired with Cora, I did just, I really like those two together on screen. And with Cora, you get this, she's sort of somewhere between a femme fatale and a damsel in distress, sometimes both and sometimes neither. And then she sort of gives the impression that she needs saving, like especially when we're first introduced to her. But then at other times she seems like to really know what's going on and seems really confident and like she's actually playing everyone else. And then the delusions are really interesting and it just makes you... She's alluring in that way because it's mm. like you want to know more about her and then you do find out more about her. And then it's interesting when she tells the story about how she smothered her baby. Like it's so casual because she's talking about something else. They're having a conversation about something else. I can't remember what it is, but it could just be like, oh yeah, um, that maybe we need to get some water and maybe we need to get some food. Oh, and, and then I smothered my baby and it was like, oh, it's like they just like drop that on you, bombshell. And a bit of this happened throughout and you'd have these like really sort of quite easygoing, quite laid back moments and then something would just drop, like something really horrific and dramatic might happen, like when they're, like they're shooting at the Aboriginals, aren't they, and pushing them, sort of driving them off cliffs and stuff. But sort of it's all sandwiched with these quite nice moments between sort of Quigley and, and the sort of characters that he's interacting with. Um, but yeah, I was totally, I was totally rooting for him all the way. And like, he's such a, the, this picture perfect hero. And then Alan Rickman just being a great villain as well. They're both great. I mean, Tom, so Tom Selleck, really he's good. so, I, again, I'm like you, I haven't seen much of him. He's been in the, he's been in the odd film I've seen. Um, but I, he's so charming. and so, I think it's a shame, mm. really, because he's so likeable and charming that I think it's a shame he never got a massive franchise of his own because you might, you might already know this, but he was actually supposed to be Indiana Jones. Um, and he had to drop no, out. He had to drop out mm. because Magnum P, he couldn't get the time off Magnum P.I., so they replaced him with Harrison Ford. Uh. Um, and he, and you even look at him with the hat in this film, you think he could have done it. I mean, I yeah. don't think many other people other than Harrison Ford could, could have played Indiana Jones, but I'd certainly... If there's another universe where I can see it with Tom Selleck, and I'd definitely watch it because he's he's mm. very charming. He's a good he's a good leading man, and I think it is a shame he never got a big tentpole franchise. Really, he seemed to the best years seemed to be in telly, didn't they? Guys, I feel like both of you are undermining the three men and a little franchise here. Yeah, but sorry. I, yeah, maybe. I forgot about the two. Yeah, is the two of those three men and it's a two of them. baby and a little lady? Well, I suppose he's not he's not the lead. He's a, it's like three leads. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll give you that. But I'm, I'm still waiting for the third one of them. Three men and a now middle-aged lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then, I mean, I, I was watching this thinking, I love Alan Rickman. Yeah, he might be good, the best yeah. ever villain. Like, Do you reckon, He, he yeah. could be up there I've as the that. best ever villainous actor, like person mm. to play a villain, because he's good in it. So I love, like, I love him in Robin Hood. Because that's the film where he went, I don't really want to do it. And they went, you can do whatever you want. And he went, <laughs> all right, then I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and in this, like, like, like Jamie said, it's like, it's almost like a, it's almost like an audition or a rehearsal for playing the sheriff of Nottingham where it's like, how, how sadistic and scenery chewing can I go? And mm. to the point where the, the bit I really love was when the guy comes in and says, oh, he's on his way. And he, and he tells one of them to put his coat on. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. He goes, he goes go, tell him to go and wait at the front porch and put my coat put and my hat coat on. And, down. and it's like, because like, it'll, sh- it'll shoot him, isn't it? That's the whole point. Mm. He's basically making him a scarecrow. Um, mm. so, so I love that. I'll tell you one thing I want to talk about as well is, and Alice, you touched on it a little bit as well. The look of the film is, is brilliant. Yeah, like yeah, it, it looks great. It probably sounds like a daft thing to say considering it's a Western, but it feels like a Western. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. in Australia. So that idea of t- let's take a Western and put it on Australia, it reminded me a little bit of when, when we did Ned Kelly. Oh, so so, so bit, many similarities. Like, yeah. this, this, this feels a lot bigger. Ned Kelly feels yeah. like it's sort of set in the same few miles and it's de- more about the characters where this, you feel that sparseness and that isolation, that mm-hmm. desert feel of, of Australia. Yeah. Like the sunburn, say, like they put yeah. the sunburn and, and you that's one thing I noticed is, 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 is when they take them out to the desert essentially to leave them to die. In other films, it's like, we've got two pretty good looking leads here. We can't have them looking realistic. Like, mm-hmm. and in this, they go. Actually, no. Let's let's make them be have dry, cracked skin and make them yep. muddy. I mean, that makes the yep. fact that they've got perfect teeth look even more ridiculous. But you know, it that's just that's just films of this era, isn't it? So like, you know, we'll yeah, forgive them for in that. The, in the montage, that was a really good way of showing the passage of time as well. They they had sunburn on Cora's collarbone, mm. and they just showed it heal gradually. Which mm. like, yeah, no other movies do that. They don't go. We're going to give you cracked lips, and we're going to, you know. And when you look at the henchmen, the henchmen after the fight. They are proper cut. This isn't like, oh, we'll get a bit of a bruise. Mm. Um, it's 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 very realistic, like the the effect of the violence, which is it's weird because when you look at the the fetishization of the guns, mm. you'd go, oh, this is a pro-violence movie. But actually, they they do show the consequences of everything that happens. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to. I didn't mean to get all BBC News Night there. Like, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Right, no, we welcome it. We welcome it. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I, <laughs> I, I read... intellectual guys. But... <laughs> <laughs> I I read the same thing as you about the NRA thing and the like. I'm mm. obviously Tom Southwick is 
would would appear to be quite into his guns and stuff. And I'm the same as you. I'm a bit like, oh, it doesn't sit that well with me. But then at the same time, I'm not from that world where guns are such a big, you know, guns, without getting into it, such a massive part of either or either side of the argument. They're such a massive part of the American identity. Whereas we're, you know, we just don't really have that here. Mm. Um, so it's a difficult one because it doesn't sit right with me. But at the same time, I suppose you can believe and believe whatever you want as long as you abide by the law i guess i don't i don't really know without getting into it but i know what you mean there was a there was a risk there that it could be a real mm. fetishization of a little bit like there, there's other films isn't there like people have said it about say the matrix or there's other films where guns are a big part of it i think we touched on it alice when we talked about equilibrium there's mm. a bit of like oh he does this cool thing with guns it's like well whatever he's doing he's still killing people like it's still and with swords as well in equilibrium yeah. oh he's a great the the thing is with all that is that like like I fucking love the Matrix I think it's so fucking cool you but I guns, hate though. guns I'm re well I'm I'm really anti gun I really mm. hate guns watching those films doesn't change my mind about it no. but I still like watching those films like Natural Born Killers is one of my favourite films that's, true, that's yeah. absolutely brewing with violence but I don't feel very violent and it doesn't make me want to be violent and I don't agree with their behaviour so yeah I don't know it's just it's just about how you absorb the media I suppose but I did think there were times where it was almost should we say glamorising kind of the struggle as well, I think, in this film where maybe some of the parts they were just like, oh, yeah, go and be a cowboy, go and have fun, like go out in the desert and ride a horse. There was tiny, tiny little bits of that, but nowhere near to a degree where it bothered me. OK, then, so we'll move on then to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like about the film uh, or that we would change about the film. So hopefully we won't break Jamie down too much, Alice, because, you know, be gentle mm. if there's anything. Is there okay. anything, is there anything he didn't like or, and are you going to ruin Jamie's childhood? I, so I don't think so because, so there are three things, but they're not major the plot, offenders the for me. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Tom Selleck, who the fuck is that? Um... The first thing for me is that the name of the film, I think, just does it a complete disservice. Yeah. Like Quigley Down Under. It, it First of all, the name Quigley is daft. I'm sorry if you're called Quigley, but it makes it sound like it's a kid's film. Oh, I thought go. it was going to be a kid's go. film. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna, my Uncle Quigley would yeah. be fuming. <laughs> um, so I think you just don't get any kind of accurate idea of what it could be about. And so if all you see is the title... I think there's a good chance you would ignore it. It, it. does sound a bit like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Quigley Down Under, it, doesn't it? it? A, li a little bit. I know what you mean. Very similar. Or Crocodile similar. Dundee we've got another, or We've got another eagle versus shark on our hands oh, where I was almost completely let down by the title of the film. Um, and because it's Quigley Down Under, so then you think, oh, do I need to watch the first one? Like, do I need to watch Quigley in New York or, or whatever it might be? Um, so just a really weird... Just a really weird title that I think doesn't do the film justice. Um, the other two things are in quite a similar vein to one I another. I think I can guess one of them. Oh, that's interesting. Well, we'll see. No. Um, but for me, it's to do with the believability in either a character's actions or the outcome. So the first one is when Quigley throws Marston through the window or through the wall of his house. And I get that that is like his biggest save the cat moment. He has a lot of save the cat moments in this, but that's like one of the biggest ones because Marston is obviously like quite a, a nasty piece of work and has basically just described how terribly he treats the Aboriginals. 
But by doing that, he's just leaving himself so high and dry in a country that he doesn't know, where he doesn't know anyone. All he has is the clothes on his back and his gun. And he comes across in other parts of the film as being more logical than that. So I didn't 100% believe his behaviour in that instance. But obviously that has to happen for the rest of the film to happen because that is such a key moment. And the other thing is the ending. So the British turn up, they come to the farm and they see that he's killed everyone. One of his victims being Marston, who's quite a well-known landowner who has a relationship with the British Empire. And then they see that they're surrounded by Aboriginals. So then they just leave and then Quigley is able to escape the country quite easily. So I know there's like this almost gotcha moment when there's a guy, he's at the port, I don't know if he's checking his like travel tickets or whatever, and then he like sees Quigley and I guess I guess the tip is out that, oh, there's an American who is wanted because then he hears his accent and then he reaches for his gun, but then obviously he says, oh no, my name's Roy and doesn't mention Matthew Quigley at all. And it just feels like he gets away with it so easily seeing how wanted he was because through other parts of the film, he's there's like this legend around him isn't there Mm. like when he goes to that village and he meets the german family they're like oh we've heard all about you are you quigley we've heard all about you you know we heard what you did to marston and all this and and people are loving it so i just think he just gets away with it too easy and he just he and i want him to get away with it because like i support him and i love his adventure and I'm, i'm all for it but it just felt too easy and i just didn't totally buy it it was just a bit convenient and a bit just like an easy way to finish the film and what? I just wonder if there'd have been a more sophisticated way to do it. What if he's arrested and then you end it on, you know, Cora outside of his jail cell or she's about to do something to to get him out? Yeah, like maybe she seduced a guard and like robbed his keys or maybe the guy with like at the passport... Not passport office, whatever he's doing. The guy at the port. The passport (laughs) papers, please. The guy at the port. Maybe he goes to shoot him or says like, oh, you're under arrest by order of the British Empire. But then he does something super cool and then like gets out of it sort of thing. But what if Um, the guard is a baby and she has to smother the guard yeah. And that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. What about that? What about that? She's good. That's sophisticated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like, ends with the what? smothering of a baby. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's like what it's about in the old, keeping you, with You could do the oldies getting hung and then bang, someone shoots the rope out. Oh no! Yeah, back, back to future the future three. Something. Oh, you just kill I think him. Something. Just yeah, kill that's him. it. Just ends with him being hung. Yeah, well like, done, Matthew. I, Off you go. I don't believe, and the thing is, it's hard to say, obviously, because I don't know how how strict the British were down there if they were just kind of letting things unfold or whatever. But to see what he'd done, those three dead men, one of them being Marsden on the floor, and they just turn around and leave with all their guns and all their resources and all their horses, I just didn't buy it 100%. But none of that was enough to ruin the film for me. And I still, like, overall, it was a really positive uh, viewing experience for me. Uh, what about you, Josh? Was there anything you didn't like about this, or that you changed? No, I was wrong. By the way, I thought you were going to say that you didn't like the the way the horses were used because that's quite often. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you don't like the hate, hated it. Well, I, I I realized I need to stop banging on. Well, they about do this, make a yeah, massive point at the end. Like, yeah, not, which makes not... me think that something bad did because <laughs> normally it's just <laughs> snuck in there at the end. At the end, whereas this is yeah. literally like before the director. Just so you know, yep. like it was all all right. No animals yes. were harmed, yeah. But I don't, I don't believe it for a second. Uh, but yeah, Jamie, I'm, I'm, I am super sensitive when it comes to animals. Like when I see animals being used in films, like except lobsters. If you, <laughs> if you can sit, except lobsters, <laughs> fucking kill all the lobsters. Oh, fuck lobsters. Um, but yeah, 
horses especially, like some some of the things we've watched and the way they get used, you can see just the horror in their eyes and that they're having just a fucking horrible time. And in this, you've got horses falling over. The horse and all that this. goes over the cliff is an animatronic. I checked this. I know, I know, I know. of course, of course. And, it's and not the, a stunt horse, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> not a stunt horse. Guys, it's, it was <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is that is always going to be a thing for me. But no, I thought I wouldn't bring it up this time because otherwise I'm just going to sound like a broken record every time there's an animal <laughs> in a film. Animal be like, oh, what about the animal? The turtles um, yeah. in Finding Nemo would oh. not swim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it tastes great though. Oh, delicious. Uh, is there, so Jamie, having watched it again, sorry, you asked me, didn't you? Um, yeah, go on. Go on. Uh, right, is there anything I said? Not, not, not loads. I will, I will say one. So there's a few things I've got here. We've touched on most of it, but I'd like a little bit more about Quigley because he's mm-hmm. sort of just a hero. He's a bit of a Mary Sue, right? If you know yeah. what I mean. He's a bit like, he's just perfect. And I'd like maybe a little bit more flawed character, maybe a bit more background. Why is he, you know, would you fly, would you spend three months on a boat to go to Australia? Is he wanted in America? Do you know what I mean? Has something gone on there? I don't know. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more meat on the bone in that sense. And the only other thing is, Oh, some shocking accents at the start. <laughs> uh, it, it, it started, I was like, is this going to be one of these, is it? Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of bad Irish accents, a lot of bad English accents, a lot of bad Aussie like accents. Like Kelly, yeah. Yeah, But the, the it, it, it faded away. It seemed, they seemed to kill off the actors who had the bad accents. So Yeah, well, they let they let Tom do his own accent. They yeah. let Rick big, um, big do Rick his own. Um, yeah, and Cora. Yeah, they let him do his own, so... Yeah, yeah. But some of the it's mainly Marsden's men, isn't it? They do some, and one of them. Did you notice one of them was a very young Ben Mendelsohn? Who's that? Sorry, he's in. Uh, have you seen? He's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was in Rogue One. Have you seen Rogue One? I have seen. Rogue you know the, one, yeah. the the big baddie in Rogue One. That's obviously not Darth oh, Vader. Right. <laughs> uh, he's an Aussie, okay. isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's an Aussie. Yeah, yeah. So he, he would have been. I don't know what he's doing in this. <laughs> No, he would have been well. He would have been very young, but I think it. it, it I think yeah. it must. Oh, have been I mean, one of his... I don't know what accent he's doing in this. Oh no! Yeah, fuck no! Not Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, because he's in. Yeah, he's in Rogue One. He's in Captain Marvel, and he's in Dark Knight Rises. A few other bits as well. But yeah, very. He's young not. In, okay. He's not in Quigley Goes to London. Unfortunately, he's not um, in. He's not in. That's disappointing. Yeah. No, he's not. I'm in, not he's not in Quigley Goes Hawaiian. Uh, <laughs> that's just Magnum PI, isn't it? Yeah, that is what. What, what if Magnum PI is Quigley's like great grandson or something? Oh, make Maybe. it happen! Oh my, oh my God! There's your backstory, <laughs> front story. That's what. That's what about you, Jamie? Having watched it again, can you bring yourself to pick anything, or is it just you just like it? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 open to criticize it. Oh God! Uh, but do you, do you know what I would change? I think. The the tone shift is too much at the start where, I mean, you have that, he, he has this weird bit where he puts his finger on a map to go across an empty sea. Where you, you don't need to do that. You can just look at Australia. It's not, <laughs> you're not going through any winding hills. It's just a boat. I, I don't know if that was like, because Indiana Jones had been out and they were like, people like fingers going they, across they like, Yeah, they like the, the old trail with a, with a boat or a plane or but whatever. That, that sets you up for this is a romp. And then he has that fun moment mm. on the boat where he lets the old people go and then he gets the, the trapper. I think, does he hit him in the nuts behind him? Yeah, or, he sort of uses his rifle under yeah. un, under him and sort of, yeah, seems to hit him in the bollocks. Yeah, and then, you know, when he's when he gets into the fight with Marsden's men, it is, uh, it's slapstick. So mm-hmm. I think the tone at the start could have been, and that aligns with, you know, the, ne- the change in the title. 
the first 15 minutes of this film doesn't really tell you what this film's going to be, which maybe is a good thing, but I, I just think it's too slapstick. Like, you know, sometimes when you watch a Disney film and it's like a really good Disney animated film, but they throw in a lot of loud noises at the start to, mm. to let the kids kind of go, oh, this is going to be good. I'll, mm. I'll have a bunch mm-hmm. of sugar and watch this. Mm. It's a bit too much at the start and you... You know, Cora's unlikable because she's hitting our guy. And yeah, it's a bit. It's like a different film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I know what you mean. And along with yeah, I think you're right about the title. It because also it's it's what's not there when you when you hear that this is. It feels like it's part of a series, and then you watch the film, you fall in love with it, but there's no other parts no, of the series. No more, no more quickly. Well, you never know. They could make some more now. Well, he was hung when he got back to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> okay then so let's move on to talking about the critical reception then we'll try and come to a decision um alice presumably you haven't seen the scores jamie have you mm-hmm. seen any of them i avoided them you've avoided them <gasps> Very brilliant, good. brilliant. Very right well good. let's let's see so alice how do okay. you think it did and what would you give it so i i feel like it it's a good film, right? It's a well-made film, and I like the story a lot. So I feel like it must have done well. Mm. I really liked it. I liked it so much more than I thought I would. I would easily give this a middle seven, so like seven point five or seven. That's 7.5%. high for you as well. It is high for me. I usually fucking lowball it every time. I'm mm. very hard to impress. Um, but, and I feel like that's what it must have got. Like. It's a so, good film. Like, so like it's, it's good. I really seven, liked it. Seven, seven and a half. Okay. I'd say seven and a half, 7.5. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what about you, Jamie? What would you give it and how do you think it did? So, me personally, I'm 8.5. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you I got the nostalgia it. element as well, probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Well, I know, I don't know what the, the critical reception was, but I know uh, that it, the box office and that, uh, I feel like it, with the what box office it made, that must be due to poor reviews. Mm. Oh, okay. is it bad? Okay. Is it bad? So, did it not do well? <gasps> well, 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 well. If it isn't the critical reception. It, Here it is. So at the time of recording on IMDb, <laughs> it gets a 6.9. Not too yeah. bad. Not too bad. We all love a 6.9. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> at, at the time of recording, the audience on Rotten Tomatoes Give it seventy three percent. Okay. However, uh, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it fifty five percent. So that I'm averages out. <laughs> that averages out at sixty five percent or six point five. So, what? what do we think then? I, I'm. I mean, I'm. Go, I'm. I'm going underrated. I just definitely think that's yeah. underrated. What? What the fuck's wrong with the critics? Like, what didn't they like about it? <laughs> Tom Selleck as a cowboy? Like, what's wrong with you? This this came out in the same year as Dances with Wolves, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Is it that it's just too much fun and they... (laughs) Maybe, you know what else as well? (laughs) It's a bit... Because Westerns had sort of wrapped up by this time. Mm. Like, the Western hype was sort of dying down. So I wonder if a critic watched this and saw, well, 10 years ago, yeah, maybe this would have been good, but the sort of cinematic landscape has evolved and moved on now. Mm. But how many... 
for me, it's like the fact that it's Australia as well. Like, how many westerns do you see? How many films do you see that are set in Australia in general? Not that many. Just Australia ones, are sort of. Mainly. Yeah, and especially one at, like at this time period, exploring the issues that it is exploring. Mm. I mean, I definitely think that's underrated. Hundred percent. I'd say so. What about you, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I mean, Alice just said it, 100%. That's what yeah. everyone should have given it. Um, <laughs> that would have been acceptable. I think it's it's underrated because, you know, you both of you hadn't heard of this film before. And that's it, that's it. Yeah, so there you go. So if we say it's underrated, and in terms of budget, it's actually interesting you say, so I couldn't find loads about... what well, I, could, I could find how, how well it did, which is about, I think it said, about $20 million worldwide. I couldn't find the budget, but the the best I could find was that it made roughly its budget back. Mm. So that coupled with the fact that neither of us have, had even heard of it. I mean, I'm going underseen and underrated. What do you? What about you, Alice? Yeah, and it, like, no, like, not even heard of it to the most extreme level. Like, I'd never heard any hint of anything even remotely like this like I had no idea I'd never seen any thumbnails for it like I have just never nothing about this film has ever entered my life whatsoever <laughs> like mate, nothing there's no about quickly it. down under footprint on Alice's Th- life no there really isn't so it might be the most underseen of all the films we've ever done wow. do you know what I mean wow. I don't oh know if I mean I'd probably yeah I just yeah knew nothing about it when you said it to me josh the title i was like have i heard that right like what have you just said <laughs> quigley down under what the hell um but yeah i reckon definitely underseen definitely underrated double whammy well jamie thank you very much for uh, for coming on um uh, you must be happy with that underseen and underrated the coveted oh, double whammy I'm genuinely mm-hmm. ecstatic. I was so worried that Alice would be like, what is this piece of shit that you've made me yeah. watch? Why have you sure, brought this to me? Sure I don't even want to do the episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh, it's easy. I, Just pick better films <laughs> and I won't have to move like that. You know what I mean? When I told you what the film was as well, I, I was a little bit drunk when I sent it over and I looked at my phone and it, it said play again and I was like, oh, it's free on Prime. And it was only afterwards that I realised it's free for me because I've got the MGM. Oh, uh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh no, I'm making these people pay. To watch this film. <laughs> no, don't, worry about, don't worry about it. Um, so, well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, where, where can everyone look out for your stuff? What, what have you got going on? Where can people find you? Oh, God, I'm always doing... I'm a stand-up comedian. Apologies about that. But uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm always gigging around the country. Uh, so if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at jallerton. Uh, and on Instagram, I'm at allertonjamie because I don't like to keep it the same, uh, just in case <laughs> something pops off on one account. Uh, and sadly i am about to start my own film podcast as well oh. which which should be live uh by the time this goes out which oh. is the best tell movie us. say tell yeah. us tell us tell us yeah tell us about it it's uh it's a 16 parter about quigley down under um <laughs> as long as it's not, not as long for. as it's not about any other underrated or under same films we'll do it. All right. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's called the best movie too and it's um it's all about uh Sometimes we're, we're film people, and you get friends. I'll mm. ask you, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in this mood. I'm in this mood. Um, what's the best film for me to watch right now? So we just take a different subject each week. So we say, what's the best movie to watch on a hangover? What's the mm-hmm. best movie to watch uh, if you're going through a divorce? What's the best movie to watch if you're stuck in Australia? You know, with just your <laughs> wife or his company, and we get a different guest <laughs> each week. Um, so yeah, well, that should be fun. 
give us an example of what you got so far then. Uh, so we've, we've had a really fun episode where we brought someone to say, what's the best uh, best movie to feel fashionable? Uh, <laughs> I know That's a good one. all about fashion in movies. But... So literally like fashion as in like clothes or like what is trendy in movies? Just going through like what looks great in movies. Um, and I, I obviously have to settle on uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Um, oh, yeah. oh. It's timeless. Yes, excellent choice. Excellent. And Michelle Pfeiffer in Greece too. Yeah. Right, well, we'll, we'll cut we'll cut that. Don't worry, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> well, brilliant. So uh, we'll we'll put links to everything when this episode comes out. When the podcast comes out, we'll make sure to give it a friends day and and, and all that jazz, really. So thanks very much for coming on, man. It's it's been a pleasure. No, cheers, guys. It's been really fun. I'm, I'm so happy that you like the movie. Well, well this thank, been a really thank miserable you. Hour. <laughs> Thank you for bringing Quigley into our lives. I loved it. Well, there we go. Another guest episode done. First of the year, uh, first of many, and uh, underrated and underseen. The, the the coveted double whammy, Alice. Don't get many yeah. of them, do we? Um, anyway, back to us. It's your oh. turn to, t- <gasps> to, to pick for next week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are we going to be watching? <sighs> right. I can't believe I'm doing this to myself, but here we go. Because you may have noticed, listeners, and Josh, I don't think I've ever picked any horror films, right? I am a great big wuss, and I am incredibly jumpy. So I tend to avoid horror as a genre. But for next week's episode, I'm going to pick Long Time Dead. Long time dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we are. join us next week then for mm. Long Time Dead, and we'll see if it's underseen, underrated, or perhaps there's another reason why Alice chose it. Who who knows? Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, the email address is filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. If you just search for Just Films and That, you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We've got a Patreon as well. The, uh, the, the Patreon's linked in the episode description for this. Please do head on over there, um, and any support you can give us uh, will be massively appreciated but as ever thank you very much for listening and i tell you what else if you look very closely we're also on the television aren't we alice we are indeed every friday evening from 6 p.m you can find us on the local tv network so if you live in birmingham bristol leeds liverpool or the northeast of england you can find us on channel 7 on freeview or if you live in north wales or south wales you can find us on channel 8 on freeview that is every friday evening from 6 p.m me and josh talking about all our favorite underseen and underrated films Yes, there we go. Lots of ways to hear us and see us. Get in touch. We always love to hear from you. And as ever, thank you very much for your ongoing support. Um, Well, all that remains to be said is uh, goodbye from me. Looking forward to next week. Cheerio. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.